Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Conversations Over Coffee. Firstly from me, a big apology for the radio silence the past month or so. I had some interviews lined up that unfortunately fell through due to the current situation we have found ourselves in, but I think I'm going to make up for it with this fantastic conversation I've got lined up for you with Bobby, aka 88.shots over on Instagram. So firstly, if you're not familiar with Bobby's work, go and check him out over on Instagram. His handle is at 88.shots. He is a feature film ex-photographer based over the pond in Atlanta. And in this conversation, we discuss how he got into street photography without even realizing that it was street photography, how a medical condition turned into a passion for black and white photography, and the importance of street photography when it comes to social interactions. So you know the drill by now, go grab a coffee or a tea or your preferred beverage, I mean it's 5.30 somewhere in the world, and sit back and relax and enjoy the following conversation over coffee. So hey Bobby, how are you doing? Welcome to Conversations Over Coffee, good to have you on. Thank you, it's good to be here, I appreciate this. Now the, the number one question is, have you got a coffee with you? Um, I have water, we could pretend it's coffee. <laughs> I've got a... I've got a cup of green tea here so I've had about two liters of coffee today I think so I'm gonna have to take a little bit of a break <laughs> gotcha um so how are you doing how's how's things going over in Atlanta um it's going okay um I'm still mostly stuck in the house um I haven't really uh went outside to do any shooting since this has happened so um just been practicing trying to keep my skills up and things like that but uh yeah mostly in the house so you got a bit of the uh, street photography blues, as it were. Right. And a bit of a trigger finger. Yeah, uh, I've been able to go through a lot of my old work, but um, anything new, the only time I, I do get to do any little bit of shooting is if I am going to like the grocery store for uh, shopping or something like that. But besides that, I haven't been able to hit the streets. Well, this will be a good opportunity for you to really start gushing about street photography <laughs> and sort nice. of get a bit of a street photography action going. Um, I, I think the, the main question that I want to ask you is what sparked your interest in street photography? Well, um, I guess I was doing street photography before I actually knew it was street photography. Um, growing up, my dad was a big time wedding photographer and he taught me about cameras and everything like that around the age of like eight or nine. And uh, a lot of times he would have me go with him to his weddings uh, to, to help out, carry bags, carry lenses, pass some things, stuff like that. And as I got a little bit older, he started having me shoot with him as like a little backup, uh, plan B kind of kind of person. And when doing that, uh, I started getting a little tired of just the posing shots. So I would go off and I would get a lot of candid shots. And he started getting upset with me because I wasn't part of, I guess, AKA the protocol uh, of what he was trying to do. So by me doing that, uh, he wasn't really thrilled about it. But once we started getting some of the pictures back, because this was all with film, when we was getting the pictures back, he was like, oh, these are actually pretty good. So as time went on, I eventually became the candid photographer for the weddings and he was the posed photographer for weddings. And um, I guess street photography kind of started there. I just didn't know that's what it was. So you actually started on film as well. That's yep, that's I pretty started unique. On film. Um, and what? So I think a lot of wedding photographers are starting to sort of realise now that candid photography is such a useful tool. Um, I know when my parents had their wedding photos done, 
um, the the photographer that they brought along, uh, they hired, she brought along an assistant and did a very similar thing to what you did. So the assistant would go and like take the nice like candid imagery all on like black and white film. Um, and I, I made a video about this recently and, and transferable skills within photography. And it's really interesting that you've done that the other way around right. the way that, so I've applied street photography to like client work, whereas you've applied like client work to street photography in right. a way without sort of realizing. So that, that's a really interesting, um, way of starting out in it. So how yeah. long was that process before you started to realize that, hang on, this is street photography. Was there like a moment for you where you sort of clicked, you saw other people doing it, you were like, ah, oh, so that's what that is. So my my dad used to uh, give me a lot of Kodak books. He, he had tons and tons of photography books um, from Kodak. And I didn't know that what I was doing was actually street photography or I just thought it was just pure candid. Uh, pure candid photos. I, I didn't really understand um, that this was actually done by people on the streets. Uh, it wasn't until around 2010 uh, I had started just using my phone. At this time, I didn't have any cameras left. Um, I wasn't using anything besides my phone. And a lot of times when we would go shopping or just in the mall or something, I would continue practice doing these type of techniques, these candid photos with my phone. And uh, let me see, towards the end of, no, I take that back. The beginning of 2011, I think it was, is when I went on Instagram for the first time. I heard about it on the radio. Somebody was talking about, oh, is this platform called Instagram. You share your pictures. And I start, I don't know how I, I stumbled across it, but I stumbled across somebody that was doing street photography or it was a hashtag that was about street photography. And I said, oh, so there's other people doing this too. Okay. <laughs> so I, I didn't even know. And then uh, where I used to live was Bridgeport, Connecticut. And there was actually this uh, film photographer who would walk around uh, the city and he would have a release cable shutter button in his pocket hooked up to his film camera and had it screwed in the top of his camera. And I saw what he was doing. I, I, I saw that he had the uh, cable in his pocket while he had a camera around his neck and I asked him what was he doing and he said I'm going to fill you in on a secret I'm taking pictures of people from my pocket and I said what are you talking about and he showed me that he was shooting from the hip but with a cable in his pocket on <laughs> his film. sneaky yeah on his film camera and so <laughs> me and him started talking more and more and he said yeah this is called street photography and stuff like that and so um, I, I don't know what the guy's name is uh, and this was about 10 years, almost October, around October would be about 10 years ago where I met this guy. But ever since then, I wanted to just keep doing this and uh, it just became a part of my life now. Amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. So that there was like a, a sort of a click when you were like, you know, a lot of people sort of gradually realize. But from what you just said, there was like a, a person that sort of almost like not a role model as such, but like somebody on the street doing it who was just like, here's the secret, here's like what this is. Right, because when I was doing it with my phone, I wasn't really telling people what I was doing because I said they're going to look at me as a creep because I'm taking pictures of random people. I didn't know that was a thing. 
So I said, well, you know, this would be something I'll do, but I just won't really tell nobody because, you know, I don't want people looking at me as a weirdo or anything. So <laughs> until I found out other people was doing it, that's when I started saying, oh, yeah, I do this, too. That's so cool. Yeah. So where did the so if anybody looks at your portfolio, your Instagram, your website and your YouTube, which we'll come on to later, um, you've got a very distinctive processing style. Um, you shoot almost entirely in black and white. Um, you've got a very filmic look to your imagery, almost like I would say very high ISO black and white film. Very true. Um, was that something that came from assisting your dad during weddings? Were you shooting on that particular kind of film or did that just grow out of your the way that you edited and post-processed things? Majority of the pictures that I did do with my father uh, were in color. I didn't really go fully black and white until around January. When was it? Late January 2019. Uh, I had actually got a... I'm not... 100% sure, but the doctors said they think it was a parasite that had came into my eye. And I had to actually go to the hospital. Um, my uh, retina in my eye, if, if you would think about cameras or lenses, if you was basically to turn the aperture all the way open, that's what had happened to my right eye. So any lighting or anything was just giving me terrible pain. So I ended up going to the, the hospital. Uh, I was in the ICU for three days. And when they worked on my eye, they gave me medicine. Uh, they gave me a bunch of steroids. After that had happened, majority of the color in my right eye has started disappearing. So it was kind of like if you were on Lightroom and you turned the saturation down to about negative 75. That's what I was seeing out of my right eye. So wow. when, that, when that happened, I said, I'm not going to stop shooting, but it, I need to start looking at the pictures the way things are actually looking out of my eye. And so um, with looking at color, I would have to strain my eyes because one eye is seeing color, the other eye is kind of black and white. It was becoming a, a real strain with looking at colored photos. So I said, for me to continue taking pictures, I need to do this in the most comfortable way as possible. I don't want to take pictures and every time I look at my photos, it's a strain. So I said, what can be the next best thing? Black and white. And that's when I decided I'm going full black and white. That's amazing. That's a really weird story. Yeah. But that's like a really like, almost like a happy accident. Right. Um, that's really intriguing because a lot of people, when they're doing street photography, they choose like either a like 35 mil or a 50 mil because they think it like emulates like the field of vision of like a human eye. And you took that to like the next level and you're like, I can't see in color in one eye. So I'm right. going to like make my images black and white. Um, obviously it was more like a, a comfort thing for you but at the same time that that's right. really that's such a unique story um yeah that's kind of spooky that that can happen to you as well and i and i still don't know what it came from um the doctors don't know either that's why they say it could have possibly been a parasite they said it could have been um it could have just been a little speck of dust that was contaminated with some kind of chemical winning your eye because you know your eye is so sensitive uh they said they're not sure what it was from but uh yeah, when, when it happened, you know, I, I said I can either have this immobilize me where I just say, forget it. I'm not going to take pictures because it's hurting so much or I can embrace it and try and use this to my advantage. So that's where I went with it. Amazing. That's such a positive outlook on that as well. I love oh, that. Thanks. So you've been doing um, street photography for 
whether you know it or not, <laughs> for <laughs> roughly 10 years, you say. Right. Um, so out of that has come this relationship with Fujifilm, if I'm correct. Um, yes. If you wouldn't mind just giving a little bit of information about how that came about, did they reach out to you? Did they? Did you reach out to them? Um, so they actually did reach out to me. They reached out to me, I believe it was towards the beginning of February or towards the end of January. They had reached out to me and they had said that they had came across my YouTube channel. Uh, they had came across my Instagram. And this was my previous Instagram before this one. And they said they loved my work and they actually have one of their facilities here in Atlanta, Georgia. And they said they would love to have some type of partnership with me where they'll send me gear and, you know, I work with them and maybe get featured in a little bit of their articles and things of that sort. So it was really a shock to me because I love Fujifilm. I, I came, I became a Fujifilm shooter in 2018. Yeah, 2018. Um, I had first got a Fujifilm X-T10. Then I had an X-E3. Then I had a, uh, let's see what else I had. Then I had the X-H1 and then the X-Pro3. So I had a bunch of Fujifilm cameras, uh, but when they, they reached out to me, uh, they said they liked the fact that I was doing something different. Uh, every Fujifilm shooter that they said that they mostly were coming in contact with uh, was either begging them, can they have some type of sponsorship or uh, can you feature me? And they said one of the things they liked is that I wasn't on YouTube or I wasn't on Instagram always begging Fujifilm to work with me and which now isn't necessarily how I always felt because it, it was times where I was like man I just I hope they work with me this would be great but um they said they, they looked at it as a type of uh humbling way that I did it by not reaching out to them uh which which I, I guess you know I can respect because a lot of companies may have that where they get tons of emails each day of people asking to work with them but they said they looked at it more of a uh, more of something that they could benefit from if they were actually reaching out to me. And they said it may seem a little more genuine that way. So that's when we started uh, working together. And that was February of this year. Oh, so pretty recently then. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. So what's that been like since we've gone into this lockdown period? Well, soon as my sponsorship with Fujifilm started, like right after that is when the lockdown happened. And it was kind of a bummer because... I was looking at it like, oh, man, this is my chance to really show Fujifilm what I can do. And as soon as that happens, it's like, OK, you can't go nowhere. So what I did was I in one of my latest YouTube videos, it was right when Fujifilm has sent me a, a production model of the X100V. And I said, I have to do something. This is the first camera Fujifilm has sent me. I have to do something. I can't just take pictures at home of lamps and and broomsticks, I, I need to do something that is actually uh, going to be interesting. So I, I did a little bit of nature photography with that, but everything has kind of unfortunately slowed down because I, I, I wasn't able to really produce much work for them. I still have a partnership with them, but it hasn't really got to the point where uh, things can really take off due to the fact that I think a lot of their production has slowed down and also since we're locked in the houses as well. Mm. So come summer, when everybody's hopefully a little bit more out and about, that will start to gradually pick up. Right. Yeah, hoping so. So you said that they found you through your Instagram and your YouTube channel. 
what was your thought process behind starting a YouTube channel? I feel like it's it's quite common for photographers now. And I had a good conversation with a previous guest on this podcast about showing the human side of your imagery. So the behind the scenes of what you're like as a character and brands finding it easier to collaborate with you because you know there's there's always people behind brands there's always right. their social media relation and they they want to know what the person they're working with is like was that something that was going through your head when you were starting a youtube channel or was it just a matter of i just want to make videos for the hell of it yeah it was more of i wanted to just make videos to just show people that they can actually do this um and not not necessarily with the videos of showing it where people um, would have to do photography the way I do it, but just letting them know that it is possible for you to do street photography as well. And that's why a lot of times in my videos, I show so many different avenues of how I shoot. So it doesn't just be one avenue and this is the only way. I show multiple avenues because I like to have it where you can choose. You can choose which way you would like to do street photography. But uh, back to your question, I, I did start it where I just wanted people to just see me in work, uh, see me in work on the streets. Uh, I didn't think that I would ever get reached out to by any type of company or anything like that, which uh, really shocked me when I had got an email from them saying that they wanted to work with me. It was just like mind blowing because I, I just never thought anything like that would happen. But I, I love teaching. I love teaching. I used to teach uh, here at a, a college in Atlanta, Georgia. It's called Omnitech College. I used to teach their photography class there. It didn't last for long. Uh, it just wasn't working out for them. It wasn't working out for me. But I feel like, especially with street photography, there's so many people, especially on Instagram. And Instagram isn't everything, but I, I do talk about Instagram a lot because it's like the number one platform for photographers. So... Um, I feel like so many times on Instagram, they're street photographers and they don't want to share any secrets. They don't want to say what they, they, they may say what they shot with, but they, they don't want to tell you the thought process behind the shot. They don't want to show you uh, the techniques that they do to get close to people or, or how they uh, go fishing in certain spots, waiting for people to walk into the light. And uh, back in, when was it? December, I had a street photography meetup in New York. And over 50 people showed up, which was really, really great. And it was all from Instagram. Amazing. Yeah, it was really nice. And one of the first things I told them was, don't be afraid while we're this big group, don't be afraid to tell each other your secrets or uh, techniques that you use because majority of the time for actual just street photography, we're not getting paid for it. So I said, since that's the case, if money's not involved, I mean, share the wealth, let people know exactly, you know, how you're doing things, your techniques. And at the end of the day, I feel street photography should just be more fun than anything. And if you're stuck in one box, it's probably not going to be that fun. So uh, that was back to your question. That, that was my number one reason for going to YouTube. I wanted to just really show people how you can really have fun on the streets taking pictures. I can tell that you, I was going to ask you what your background was, because the way you speak on YouTube and the way that you speak in person, especially when you're doing your, your live editing sessions and whenever you, you're doing any sort of video work, you've got a very, very good way of speaking. 
And oh, you're thanks. actually a, a dream sort of podcast guest because I can just ask you a question and off you go. <laughs> so oh. <laughs> you make make my job a lot easier. Oh, okay, um, thanks. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's really interesting. So, how what were the logistics of hosting a, uh, a photo walk, especially for street photography? Because I've only been to a couple of them, and I can imagine that when there's fifty street photographers walking down the street, it's quite hard to like be nimble and like. It's, people are going to notice 50 people walking in the same direction with cameras so right. what was the I, I know when you, when you go to a photo walk it's not necessarily about the images you make it's more about the people you meet right. um, but what was that like especially in a city like New York so I had that was actually my third one I did in New York the first one I did was in March 2000 either let me see I think March 2018 and uh, the first one I did, maybe about, I'll say close to 15 to 20 people showed up. I did another one in August of last year, and uh, that one was close to about 30 people showing up. And then in December, that's when we had over 50. So it was really difficult because all of the previous ones, I, I just thought the group would stay around that number. I guess that's the issue when... Uh, and on my old account, I have 14,000 followers. So I guess that's the issue when you say anyone can show up and, you know, you have 14,000 followers on Instagram. Anyone really may show up. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I didn't expect that at all. I didn't expect that at all. So uh, I had a game plan where I was going to say, because where we was meeting was Grand Central Terminal. And um, my, the game plan was to walk from Grand Central to Times Square. That's what we did every uh, photo meetup I did previously before that. But since it was so many people and the day before, um, I had shot with a couple other photographers and we had went, uh, where did we go? We went to Chinatown. And so I was like, man, Chinatown was amazing. That's what we're going to do. We're going to walk to Chinatown, all 50 of us. We're going to walk to Chinatown. Now, me not being from New York, well, I, I used to live in Connecticut, so I, I lived close to New York, but I didn't live in New York. And... Um, I didn't realize a couple things. I didn't realize that a lot of people were going to fall off because it was such a long walk. I didn't realize it was only going to be like 18 degrees outside. And I also didn't realize that uh, I wouldn't be able to get around to everybody uh, that showed up. So I, when I met everyone there, I, I said the destination is going to be Chinatown. Uh, as soon as we walked out the door, I looked back and I said, oh, my goodness, we look like a gang of, you know, crazy psychopath <laughs> photographers out here. <laughs> Everybody got their cameras out and stuff. And uh, to make a long story short, by the time we got to Chinatown, it was maybe only about 12 of us because so many people had fell off. Uh, so many people had got too cold. A lot of people hopped on the train to go back home. And I realized from then on, I can't ever do uh, meet up that big unless I have other people helping me. Um, I said I had planned to do another one in July, but of course that's not going to happen now. Uh, but what I was planning on doing was I was going to have at least like one co-host per every 10 people. So if we had like a destination of where we had to go, these people would help and it would make it easier for me too since I don't live there. I don't know the little shortcuts of how to get certain places. So I would definitely say it would have to be invite only next time 
uh, if I was ever do anything like that again. It was just, I felt bad because so many people had showed up. And when we were at Grand Central, a lot of people were saying, hey, it's nice to meet you. Some of them I had met previously, but this was my first time meeting a lot of them. And I felt terrible at the end of it because it was so many people who was DMing me saying, hey, I can't find you. I see the big crowd, but I'm lost. And things of this this sort was just, uh, it made me feel bad because all of these people came out to to be with me and I wasn't able to really be with them. So I just said from here on out, if I was to ever do that again, it has to either be smaller or I have to have some co-hosts with me. But uh, outside of all that, it still was really, really fun. It's just uh, I felt really bad for a lot of people that weren't able to participate as they wanted to. And did you get a lot of looks from the public? Like, that's a lot of photographers. Um yeah it's probably a bit of a weird i know new york is probably like one of the most heavily photographed cities on the planet right but to see 50 of them in the same right, sort right. of group just moving slowly through the city yeah. um, must have caught a bit of attention i don't like i said i know it's about the the people you meet and not the photos you get but do you think that would heavily impact the the, the, the quality of imagery you could produce on those walks yeah, I, I do. And and I had realized that at the second one with that big group, even though it was only close to 30 of us, I realized with that big group, it was very intimidating for people. And it was really no way you can really get candid shots with a group of 30 people all with their camera to their eye. Uh, so when we did the last one, I had kept that in mind. And I just said, the destination is Chinatown. We can walk in little groups. Uh, maybe a group of five over here, a group of six over here, something like that. But I didn't want it to be where we're just walking, looking like this big gang, because it would just take away 100% from any high quality photos, I felt like. So uh, anytime anyone is doing a meetup, I would just give that as a piece of advice. Even if it is a large group, break off into small groups, because if not, all of your pictures are just going to look 100% staged and it just it just won't be the look that you're probably going for. So anybody who's listening to this, if you haven't already visited Bobby's Instagram and YouTube, go and do that now. Uh, I think you're nearly close to about 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. Is that correct? Yep, I'm pretty Roughly. close. I'm, I'm probably about uh, 50 or so, give or take, away from that. Amazing. And also your Instagram page, but that isn't your first Instagram page um what was the deal with you wanting to either restart it or was it a delete in the moment and I don't want to do Instagram anymore or did you have in mind that you were going to restart it at some point um so this is actually for street photography this will be my fourth Instagram for street photography and um the the first time I got rid of my first Instagram page and each of them have been called 88 shots one time or another. I might have changed the name to something else or I don't know. But all of them in the long run have all been called 88 shots. But the first time I got rid of it, I had uh, started that account in the beginning of 2016. By maybe the beginning of 2017, I had about 13K. And I said with that page, it's too much about me, which I know is, is very rare for a lot of people to say. Uh, on their own Instagram, but I was just looking at it and I said, there's not a big enough community on here. So what we're going to do is we're going to turn this into a feature page. Uh, so I turned it into, I, I got with a couple other photographers, one from Spain and another one from Portugal, and I contacted them 
and I said, hey, would you guys be interested in me turning this page into a feature page and you help run it with me? And I said, I'll, I'll just you know, transfer the name to something different, to Real Street Generation, and I'll give you guys the password and we'll just run it and we'll just feature street photographers from all around the world. And they agreed to it, we did it, and that page started going good. While that page was running, I started a new Instagram, and uh, while, that was, while that one was running, that page was growing, but Real Street Generation really started growing. Uh, but I believe we started having some of creative differences, uh, how we are all running the page. Uh, not, not any type of uh, issues we were having far as uh, with each other, but just far as creative differences, far as how we should post. Uh, so I, I like to post, even with my personal Instagram, I like to post frequently. Uh, some of them thought it would be best we post once a day, maybe once a week, maybe once a month. So we just, it, it just wasn't working. It just, it just wasn't working and the page started dying down. And my whole goal was to, when we made this feature page was the, the profile actually said real street generation uh, featuring the underdogs in street photography. I wanted all of the small accounts to actually get a chance to be featured on this page. And um, when I did this, a lot of the smaller pages were starting to grow and I wanted to just really build a community with that. So that uh, page got put to the side. We just kind of left it blank and I started growing my other Instagram. Uh, when I started growing my other Instagram page, Eventually, I wanted to have that one do the same thing to be once I got over 10K. I don't know what it is about 10K, but every time I was getting to 10K, it was like, OK, Bobby, this is too much about you. You need to give back to the street photography community. So uh, what I did with that was uh, I don't know if you know this street photographer. His name is Beware of My Fuji. Uh, he's a, a local street photographer here in Atlanta. Um, and then there was another street photographer, Passenger JPEG. The three of us, we got together and um, I gave them my next uh, Instagram page, which was at that time, I believe it was like 10 or 11K. And I did the same thing. And I just kind of kept rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And we turned that page into Fuji Films. It was Fuji.Films with a Z at the end. And as time went on, and that was in September of 2018, 2019 comes around and started having creative differences again. Um, now, just disclaimer, I'm, I'm cool with all of these people. It's just sometimes when you're running an Instagram, it's just, you know, people have different opinions, different ideas. And uh, I started to see that I was kind of wanting my page back, even though it was a feature page now. I was starting to want my page back because I started getting a lot more serious with street photography. I was trying to sell prints. I was trying to do meetups. I was doing workshops. And I was realizing that the page has started dying down anyway. So I said, this would be a perfect time for me to get my page back so I can actually start promoting my work a little more and try and start uh, engaging with people to help this community grow, even if it wasn't uh, necessarily a feature page anymore. Did that. Then uh, in February, was it February? Yeah, it was February. I had uh, just came to the conclusion that I just didn't want to do Instagram at all anymore. Um, it was just getting to the point where 
and I think this is the issue with 10K with me. Every time I hit 10K, I start going into this mode where I'm no longer shooting for me and I'm shooting for you. And I don't know why that number does that to me, but every time I get to that number of 10K, it's like, oh no, Bobby, you're, you're starting to shoot for everybody else again, regardless if I start noticing it or not. And uh, so the thing that really pushed me over the edge of getting rid of my Instagram, it, it had to do with the compression of Instagram, the downsizing. I didn't like the platform as much. My stuff wasn't really getting seen that much, but it was more than all of that. I had went to a funeral in Syracuse, New York, uh, towards the end of January, beginning of February. And one of my aunts, she actually was following my Instagram page. And she said, you don't shoot like you used to shoot anymore. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, it looks like you're shooting more for everyone else versus than the way I remember how you used to originally shoot. And it just like flipped a switch in my head. And it was like, wow, she's right. And then I started looking at my account and it was like, oh yeah, okay, we're over the 10K mark again. Bobby, you're trying to impress everybody again. So- <laughs> um, trying to 10K. Right, right, it's, it's the 10K curse. So- um, I'm yet to reach that point, by the way. Yeah, On it's- On my first Instagram account, I'll have you know. <laughs> you're doing I, a much I, better job than I am. It's, it's overrated, man, it's, it's completely overrated. And um, so when we were driving back, I, I was driving with my parents and uh, it was maybe, let me see, it was about a 14 hour drive. So it wasn't my turn to drive. I'm sitting in the back and I'm just scrolling through my Instagram while we're in the car because it's a very long ride. And I'm just scrolling through my Instagram and I was like, I don't want to be here no more. I said, I don't want to be here because it's changing me. It's changing who I am uh, with my photography. Um, and of course, it had all those other things about compression and stuff like that. But um, I said, you know what? I'm going to get rid of it. And I contemplated getting rid of it for about a good week or so. And then I deleted it. And I didn't delete it where it's like you can temporarily disable your account. I actually permanently deleted it where once it was gone, it, it disappeared. It was you know nowhere to be found. And then the pandemic happened. And I was like, oh, crap, maybe I should have kept it because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> now, I, now I have, you know, no Instagram or anything like that. So I started up this new one. Um, I started up this new Instagram and I said, this time I'm not going to pay uh, or I'm going to do my best not to pay attention to anything actually about photos on here when it comes to Instagram as importance. I'm going to try and focus on the people. And I, I am extremely happier for the first time on Instagram than I ever was with all those other accounts. And um, I think I'm going to try and do my absolute best with this one. Um, and this one is growing. Um, I think as of this morning, I just hit like 2,000 followers. And I've only had this account going since March 3rd. So um, I'm going to really try and do my best to really stay genuine to the people uh, versus so much of the pictures. Because... The pictures can come and go, but these relationships, even just like this, if it wasn't for Instagram, me and you wouldn't even have met each other. So Yeah, no, that's crazy. Yeah, so I, I said that's going to be my number one focus. Yeah, I'll post pictures. Yeah, hopefully, you know, people like my pictures. If they don't, whatever. But my main goal on here this time around is to meet people and help inspire, but more than help inspire to get inspired myself. That's a really lovely way of looking at it, actually. Um, I know that I definitely fall into the trap of like not 
considering who is following me enough. Like, what can I give to them? But also, what can I draw for myself? Right. And um, again, I, 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 my YouTube channel in itself is just like a mental diary. And I just do it in like a visual form. Um, and I made a video about curating your social media. And I do think... That was a good video, what, by the way. F- thank you. From what you've just said, it was like very much... And it, even though it was over a longer time scale, you were like constantly trying to figure out what you want Instagram to be for you. And I think that's so important, um, especially with social media, because people can get sucked into this whirlwind of likes and follows and comments and not really see the genuine organic interaction that you can get with people if you try hard enough right and the fact that you've done it four times uh really shows that you're putting in that effort and i i'm really loving the stuff that you're doing at the moment especially with your critiques the way that you annotate your pictures i find that really helpful to do when especially when you like are getting taught photography you look at some like the greatest photographers that were people like the the masters of photography right and there's that really famous um cartier bresson um photograph where it's that his contact sheet that he's marked up where he wants to like dodge and burn everything um and i think a lot of the the visual aspects of that has been incorporated into critiquing um I, I personally, I think it looks great from a visual point. It looks amazing whenever you mark up an image because it's like the meshing of handwritten text and how organic and natural that looks. Right. Um, but also, it's almost like it's really hard to explain. It's like when you get in a presentation during class and people are like pointing to things, or if you're like walking around a gallery and people are like physically pointing at, at things. It's like I can see where your eyes gone, I can see where your hand has gone and you're like circling things and drawing lines and it's it's just a really, really lovely way and it's like a very visual way of seeing your thought process. Um, And again, that's like, that's inspiring to me because, you know, I've done things like that in the past and I've I've sort of slacked um, and it sort of inspired me to get up and like think, maybe I do need to start deconstructing my photos again. Maybe I need to start breaking them down into how the light works leading lines exposure right eye contact because i think photography is supposed to be fun but i do think it's a craft and you only get better at craft by learning as much as possible from it very true um and also taking inspiration from other people so i I do quite like the academic approach to photography sometimes um i do think there's a very fine balance um and I think, you know, especially with your Instagram, you're definitely meeting that balance. And um, I just think it's really, really cool what you're doing online. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. So you mentioned that um, you moved from New York. Uh, not, you didn't move from New York, sorry. Where were you staying? You were staying uh, near New York. Yeah, I was, I was in Connecticut. Okay. What was the, the idea behind the move to Atlanta? Well, uh, my wife is from Atlanta. And uh, one of my cousins, he used to live in Connecticut. Then he moved to Atlanta. One year he had came to visit Connecticut and he had brought some friends. She was one of them. And uh, we just hit it off from there. And after we got married, we stayed two years in Connecticut. And then we moved back here where her family is. Okay. So it was right. a, a personal 
thing rather right. than a career right thing. so uh-huh. what so that's that that could be quite an interesting way of looking at it because you would then you you've moved cities for a different reason you weren't moving cities for an artistic purpose right um what was the contrast like between Connecticut and Atlanta from a creative perspective especially like street photography wise well it was it was really different uh due to the fact that Connecticut is just is so tiny it's very very tiny and Atlanta is just like whoa this is where movie stars are this is where all the Marvel movies are made uh it's just it was just a, a big difference it's like night and day so when I came here it was I really didn't start like going downtown and really getting into street photography maybe till like around 2015 because I was still in that that mind frame of I just started getting a little bit comfortable doing this and knowing that it is something that other people do but I'm not comfortable with this environment I'm not comfortable with this culture uh it was just I guess it was just like I was still in the culture shock phrase not phrase phase of a culture shock and um it just took me a while to maybe get used to it so not until maybe the end of 2015 to actually start going on the actual streets outside of just like stores or malls uh, doing street photography so actually physically on the streets in atlanta i didn't start that till 2015. okay that's quite quite interesting Mm-hmm. And um, what would you say the biggest culture difference is between the two places? There's a lot more uncertainties here. Well, I'm 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 more used to it now, but at first it was just certain areas. I didn't know if this is a good area. I don't know if this is a good street. Uh, in Connecticut, that's where I was born and raised all the way up until when I moved when I was 22. So. It was just, you know, you know a place that you've been at your entire life. You know what's a good area. You know what's not a good area. You know how when a person looks a certain way, uh, you know, they may act a certain way or, or things of that sort. But now when you're in this completely foreign place, because I've only visited here a few times, and if I did, it was to visit my in-laws. It wasn't like, oh, let's go deep into downtown Atlanta. Um, doing that, it took me a while to figure out who is who and... Um, and when I say who is who, like, is this a good person or is this a bad person? Um, and still, that can always still be a mystery all the way up till today. But uh, certain areas, it took me a while to learn. And I had to learn some areas the hard way that this is not a good area to be in. Uh, so that was probably the biggest culture shock. Um, and then a lot of times, still, even till today, people say, oh, you're not from here. We're we're you know, where are you from? Why do you talk the way you talk? Because I, I don't really have a Southern accent like most people do that live here. And so that can sometimes be a hindrance, but at the same time, sometimes it can uh, be a, a, a open door for me to actually talk to people or uh, to come around people because they say, oh, he's maybe a tourist, even though I've been here since 2012, which is what, eight years now. Uh, <laughs> people still look at me as like, oh, he's not from here. He's, he's a tourist or something. So uh, that was just some of the, the culture differences when it came to street photography, which was really different for me. But um, for the most part now, I think I pretty much got it got it down packed. Yeah. That, you could use that to your advantage, the, the tourist card. Right. Um, that's definitely a thing in London, mm-hmm. especially central London, where people are like, 
everybody just assumes everybody with a camera is a tourist, really. Right. Um, so you can get away with most things, but I can imagine if you're going down little side streets and going into certain neighborhoods and people are a bit like, this dude's got a camera. Right. What's he doing? <laughs> right. So I think I, I, I can't remember the specifics exactly, but I think you shared a pretty like negative story about street photography. Um, you mentioned that you had learned certain things the hard way. Right. Um, I was just wondering if you could, because I, I, I don't want to sort of sensationalize anything. Um, so I'm going to ask you if you could give us like the best example of okay. an interaction through street photography that you've had and also the worst example, okay. just so it's a bit of balance. Because I do yeah. find it interesting how certain people react in certain cities and how certain people react to other people. Right. Uh, so I'll say probably one of the best experiences was uh, at this at this point in time, I had really got big into street portraits. It wasn't it wasn't candid or anything. I was really big into I want to have a conversation with you. I want to know your story. I want to know everything about you. And I also want to take this picture and I want to try and convey this message through the picture. So it was this one Indian guy. Uh, he was downtown Atlanta and he saw me with the camera. I actually, I think he spotted me before I spotted him. And he came over to me and he said, Hey, take my picture. And he started doing all these weird poses and all this other crazy stuff. <laughs> and I said, I, I, I said to him, I said, you know, where, where are you from? Which was a first for me. I, I'm usually the one getting asked, that. <laughs> yeah. but um, I, I just, I just saw that he didn't look like he was from around here. And um, he said, I, I, I want to make sure I say this correctly. He said, the reason why I wanted, before he even answered my question, he said, the reason why I wanted you to take my picture is because I wanted to feel as if I was worth something today. And I said, oh, okay. I said, well, you are worth something. And I, you know, I didn't know him from Adam, so I, I, I didn't have any weird feelings or anything towards him. But he ended up, telling me his story, he said that he was part of, uh, he had went to MIT, uh, then he had went to some other college, and he had came to Atlanta because he was doing something with some type of band or something like that on the side from going to college. And he said that one of his friends was like, hey man, try you know try some of this stuff. I don't know what, what kind of drugs or, or what it was, but he, he said one of his friends had him try something and he said from there on, he was hooked. And he said that was like four years ago, and he's never left Atlanta since. And I said, wow. And so, you know, that, that caught me off guard because I had no idea he was going to tell me the story or anything like that. But then he goes on to say, by you taking my picture today made me feel as if I was worth something because I've been trying to get a job. I've been trying to get clean. I've been trying to get back on my feet. You know, I'm not where I, I used to live. I don't remember any of my family's phone numbers. My family, for the past four years, one day they saw me, the next day I ne they never see me again. And he said, by you taking my picture, made me feel as if I was no longer worthless. And that just like, I don't know, it opened up a flood of like emotions for me because it was like, wow, by me walking with a camera, actually more than just change their day, could have possibly changed their week, could have changed their month, could have changed their, their life. And that's when I said, wow, street photography can really do some big things by you walking around with this camera. 
And, um, you know, it, it was just still till today. I, I never see him again. And I hope I hope he's all right. But it just really moved me in a way I never was moved with the camera before. Uh, if I was ever taking pictures of people, you know, they may say a couple of things and then they move on. But that was probably one of the longest conversations I had with someone. And after it was over, uh, he said, I don't want any money or anything from you. All I want is uh, if you could just help me out with something to eat. And in my backpack, because I'm actually diabetic, so majority of times when I go out and take pictures, I usually have snacks and stuff with me, just in case my sugar's getting low or it's too hot outside or something. And so I was kind of working my way back to the car anyway, and I gave him all the snacks I had in my backpack, and he was just like so happy, started crying. And, you know, I was like, no, Bobby, you're, you're a man. You don't start crying too. <laughs> but um, it, it just it just really showed me that, um, you know, street photography, because if I, I was thinking of it when the whole time I was driving home, I said, what if I was one of those photographers where I said, you know, I don't do street photography. I only shoot pictures of, of wildlife or I only shoot pictures from rooftops. He would ask me to take his picture. He would have did all that posing. And I said, no, I'm OK. And I would have kept walking. And I would have probably never been able to have that kind of impact on that person's life. And so I said street photography was the only reason that I was even interested in taking his picture. So uh, that is definitely one of the most positive experiences I've had while doing street photography. That's so nice. That's such a lovely story. I forget the, the worst moment. I don't even want to know. <laughs> if anybody wants to find out the worst thing that's happened, they, I'm sure they can find it if they want to. That's such a lovely story. And that's really nice that you've been able to, to share that as well. Um, it's interesting that you haven't seen him again. Right. Um, because there is there is one guy who's sort of like a running motif in your videos. Um, he keeps popping up every now and then. Who I <laughs> right, quite right. enjoy. Um, <laughs> he seems to be doing something different every single time he, he crops up. <laughs> but uh, may, maybe you'll you'll bump into him one day. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I'm hoping again. so. And you've got a very particular way of doing street photography. You're very you've got a very good like way of approaching people in like a conversation style. Um, one of your things that I've noticed is that you'll like stop somebody and ask if the bus is coming a certain way and then you'll take like a really nice little candid portrait from like the hip um, mm -hmm. I really like that style I, there's a, a couple of comments on those videos where people have picked up on that and said you know it's not exactly like my, my cup of tea that's not how I would do things but they appreciate the sort of unique way you've gone about that right and do you feel like you've got a history in teaching um, so I imagine there's a bit of confidence that comes with that and being able to approach people. Uh, is that your preferred way of shooting or is there, is there a specific one side of street photography that you like to, to go down, like a specific avenue? Or do you just try and change it up each time you go out? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I really try and change it up uh, most of the time when I go out due to the fact that I get bored very, very fast. I, I want to make sure when I go out, um, I at least have like, a, a bucket of 10 different things I could possibly do when I go out uh, just so I can keep it fresh all the time. Uh, if I, if I go out usually with like one thing in mind, it usually gets boring very, very fast. So I, I do try and switch it up and I don't really have like one particular style when I go out shooting. Mm -mm. There's um, a good photographer, a friend of mine called, uh, his name's Simon King. Um, I don't know if you've come across across him on Instagram, but I, I 
I was on a, a photo walk with him recently and some of the people were asking like what are you looking to photograph today um, what kind of things are you looking out for and um, I asked him that as well sort of naively without really thinking about it and he said that the moment you start looking for something in particular you're going to start missing out on other, other things 100 um, and I, I hadn't really thought about that it was a bit of a stupid question to ask I think I was just trying to make conversation but um, I really like that you're not sort of boxing yourself into into one thing and you're just really trying to explore your area and explore the types of imagery you can get yeah um and i I agree with that that statement uh that you was saying the other photographer uh mentioned because it is so true uh let's say you only went out and you you said today i'm only getting silhouettes but then to your right let's say a parade walked by and it was like all these amazing characters to take pictures of but you're like nope those are no silhouettes. I can't do it. And you missed, you know, a whole parade walking by. So um, I, I think it's good to, uh, even if you did want to do that, maybe go out and say, okay, the next 20 minutes are only silhouettes or the next 20 minutes are only close-ups or, or things like that. But it's not where you're boxed in this whole photography session where you do miss stuff. So I think that was a, a brilliant, brilliant uh, quote that he had. Yeah, he's he's a he's a really cool cool guy actually, and I've learned a lot from him. Um, so there's there's a couple of people you should follow if you listen to this. One is of course uh, Bobby. Who's where can people find you by the way on Instagram? Uh, yes, you can find me on Instagram at eighty eight shots, and you can also follow my YouTube, and that's Street Shots with a Z at the end. And also. Um, Simon as well, Simon King on Instagram. And there's somebody for you to potentially follow as well, Bobby. Yes, I'm going to definitely check him out. Leaving back to that inspiration segment that we were talking about earlier. Um, When it comes to street photography, and I I ask my guests uh, this question, sort of trying to tailor it to their professional, their area of expertise. Um, And it's a, a bit of a trope of mine. Whenever a photographer or an artist is... Um, interviewed is people people always ask what is the greatest piece of advice you can give to somebody starting out and it's such a a, a bland question in my opinion so I, I want to ask you what is the greatest skill and this doesn't have to be technical this can be uh, an interaction skill or a personal skill that you've learnt either through or in regard to uh, street photography um I would say one of the things I've, I've learned more than anything is do not judge a book by its cover. Uh, there can be so many people that uh, may look a certain way, may sound a certain way, and you can be completely wrong from the things that automatically go in your head. Uh, there's been times where I may have been a little wary about going up to certain people and I may have had the best conversations or uh, it could have led to... Uh, I'll just give one one example, and this doesn't actually have to do with photography at all, but it just has to do with not judging a book by its cover. Uh, when I first moved here to Atlanta, one of my wife's friends, uh, he was trying to reach out to me to hang out, and I said, our personalities are a little bit different. Our personalities are a little bit different, but I'll give him a chance. And at first I was like, eh, I don't know, because we're so different. And so, you know, I said, 
you know, forget it. I don't care. I'm going to just give them a chance anyway. Make a long, long story short to eight years later, we are like the best of friends. He helped me get uh, one of my best paying jobs when I first moved here to Atlanta uh, that I worked at for five years. Uh, it was just like uh, so many timelines opened up due to the fact of me not judging a book by its cover. And um, I've, I've lived by that as much as possible. Um, and uh, along with that on the streets, uh, there's been so many times where I said, I am absolutely going to walk across the street because this crazy looking person is walking towards me. And I went against the grain and I say, you know, I'll just, I'll stand here. And if they talk to me, I'll, I'll talk back. And I've learned so many things from people. Uh, a lot of times where uh, people said, you know, I'm part of this organization or uh, my friend needs a, a photographer or, or something like that. And it was all because I went against the grain of judging someone uh, from how they look. So if I could give any advice to anyone, um, especially with street photography in mind, just don't judge a book by its cover because you have no idea where this can possibly lead you or how you can possibly uh, get led to helping someone else out. Amazing. Yeah. What an answer. There you go. <laughs> Bobby, thank you so much. Not only are you a, a wonderful photographer, you're also a great philosopher and teacher. Oh, um, well, thanks. So <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. It's been really nice to have you. Um, it's nice to actually sit down and actually have a conversation with you as well. Yeah, um, it was. It was nice having it. It's the first time we've sort of like actually spoken face to face but so it's been really good to actually pick your brains before um we have any any further conversations but thank you again it's, it's been amazing to actually get this down on record um and once again where can people find you on uh, online again on instagram at 88 shots was well, 88 dot shots with a z at the end and the same uh name again for youtube is street shots and that's with a z at the end of shots and thank you so much for having me this this was great um, I wish more people did this. <laughs> yeah, th this was amazing. I liked it. Cool. Thank you so much, Bobby. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. So there you go. That is the conversation that I had with Bobby Austin, aka 88.shots. That's with a Z, by the way. You need to go and check him out on Instagram. Thank you so much, Bobby, for being an amazing person to interview. Your story about your eye condition was really, really interesting and sort of quite uplifting in the, the positive way that you tackled that situation. Uh, also, Bobby was just so easy to interview because of his background in teaching and lecturing. So like I said, I could just fire away a question and he could just go off on one. And uh, yeah, just a really, really fantastic individual to interview. And also thank you to you, the people who listen to this podcast. We recently passed 200 uh, listeners on Anchor, which is just incredible. Never thought that it would get to this point. Um, we're on episode five and I've got loads more plans when this starts opening up again. Hopefully I can get some people on and uh, sort of try and arrange some over the internet interviews as it were if there's anybody that you want me to interview be sure to hit me up on instagram at sam v holt or you can send me an email at samholtcoffee at gmail.com apart from that thank you very much for listening to this episode of conversations over coffee i really hope you enjoyed it and we will see you in the next one